we would like to get started. I'm going to turn it over to Ellen. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be in San Francisco, a little colder than New York, um, but one of my favorite cities, and I'm thrilled to be here with you today. I'm going to talk about um, When Work Works, the uh, initiative that we have at the Families and Work Institute, and um, and why When Work Works and why now. But let me start by telling you a little bit about the Families and Work Institute first, for those of you who may not have heard of us. Uh, we are going into our 20th year. We're a research organization. We anticipate the trends. We conduct rigorous research, and the findings either inspire or lead to action. Um, we do the largest nationally representative study of the U.S. workforce this year. I am thrilled to tell you that we will have 30-year trends on the U.S. workforce, and we also conduct the most comprehensive study of employers and how employers are responding to the changing needs of the workforce. So let me begin with what, what we know from the research that we've conducted. Um, I think of research as an adventure story. Um, it really gives you a chance to look at what's, what's happening, what's changed. Um, <clears throat> I love nothing more than sitting there with numbers when our data begin to come in and figuring out what the story is to see what's happened. It's, it's really exciting. Um, when we looked at the workforce, this is based on the last time we did the National Study of the Changing Workforce. When we looked at it uh, with 25-year trends, it was clear some of the changes that we all know about, that the economy has changed. It's, it's moved from an industrial to a knowledge and service-based economy. It's fast-paced. It's fiercely competitive. It's global. Even if you don't work for a global company, um, every, every one of us is affected by the global economy, certainly affected by t uh, technology, and we're 24-7. Um, we also have four generations in the workforce right now, matures, or whatever we want to call the older generation. I don't know if uh, matures is the right word, but anyway. The people born from <laughs> 1922 to 1943, um, <clears throat> baby boomers, who, as we know, have always changed everything that they've come into contact with, uh, born between um, 46, actually, and 63. Um, Gen X, so it would be 45. Um, my number was wrong before. Gen X, 1967 to 1979, and Gen Y, 1980 to 1995. The workforce has all, also become much more diverse, um, more women. When we started tracking the workforce it was 42% women. It's now 49% women among people who work for someone else, and that's virtually at parity. Uh, more people of color uh, from 12 to 21%. Um, more employees over 40, the graying or the non-graying of America, however you want to look at it, from 35% 25 years ago to 56%. One of the findings that I found particularly striking, though, was about women. Women now have outpaced men in education. Uh, before, men were always uh, had higher levels of education than women, and the last time we looked, they crossed. Um, in fact, um, if you look at those 50 and younger, there's a nine percentage point difference between women and men. 32% uh, of women and 23% of men have a four-year degree or more. Is that surprising? 
Yeah, it was surprising to me, too. It was one of those, when you're looking at all these numbers and you go, oh, wow, <laughs> that's really interesting. Work has changed, too. I don't need to tell you this. It's more, it's, um, more demanding. It's hectic. Um, it's technology has blurred the lines between when we're so-called working and when we're not. When you're driving home and you're thinking about work, are you working or are you, you know, are you at home if you're um, fixing dinner or having dinner with your family, but you're thinking about what some coworker or a boss said to you today, are you working or are you not? Um, if you're at if you're at work and you're thinking about, oh my God, it's summer. What am my kids going to do this summer? Are you working and are, or are you not? It's just very unclear. And there's also an expectation of an instant response. Fifty-six percent of employees um, are often interrupted during work, and they're often uh, trying to do more than one thing at, at once. Family life has changed um, among all those people in relationships in the workforce, in married or in committed. Uh, partnerships, uh, 78% now are dual earners. It was 66% in the past. Um, more of us have elder care responsibilities, 35% um, the last time we looked. And I can tell you that um, when we, at the new data, have just begun to come in, it's 45% of people who are caring for an elderly parent or relative in the last five years. Our definition is really strict. It means taking care of someone, helping them do things that they couldn't do themselves. So it's not just, you know, hi, how are you, uh, kind of a check-in call. It really is uh, physically helping people um, or um, practically helping people do things that they couldn't do themselves. And it's not just um, women, it's men. They're uh, statistically the same. And, and it's not just older people. It's younger people as well. Um, men are spending more time taking care of their children. Now, we ask people who takes the greatest responsibility in families for a variety of tasks. And when it comes to taking care of and doing things with children, we listen to what the women say um, because they will be the more conservative reporters on this. When it comes to who's doing the repairs around the house, we listen to what men say because women tend to say they do more repairs than men say they do, and men say they do more child care than women say that men do. So it's gone from 24 to 30 percent of women who say that, the, that their husbands or partners are taking as much or more responsibility for the care of children as they do. Still 70 percent of women taking the greater responsibility, but that's a really big jump in, in 10 years. Um, the time that women and men are spending, women's time has stayed the same. Men's time has gone up so that there are only um, 42 uh, minutes that are different on a day when women and men are working uh, in terms of taking care of and doing things with kids. But the real difference is, is the younger generation. Now, I used to think that most of the talk about generations was made up by some consultants who talked to three of their friends. Some New York Times stories are that way, too. Uh, we, we Don't get me started on the opt-out revolution. Um, but... Um, um, in this case, uh, we actually went and we looked at our data, and we really found a difference, particularly among men, uh, in relationship to children. Younger men spend an hour more a day doing things and taking care of their children than boomer fathers. Even if you statistically control for the differences in the ages of their children, or you just look at people who've got kids 12 years and younger or 6 years and younger, any way you want to look at it, men are spending more time with, with their kids. 
Um, so no surprise, there's a time famine that most people are experiencing. 67% of people say they don't have enough time with their children. 63% say that they don't have enough time with their husband or their wife or their partner. That's up from 50%. That's where we're squeezing the time. We're taking it away from each other. As adults, we're not taking it away from children. Taking it away from housework, too. Uh, women are doing less. Men are doing a little bit more. Uh, there are more dust balls in America. Um, <laughs> my children thought that they just came with houses. You know, where are your dust balls if they went to one that didn't have one? <laughs> Um, it's because we had a dog that shed, um, and we didn't vacuum that much. Uh, 55% say that they don't have enough time uh, for themselves. I, I actually think that feels low to me, but this is the whole U.S. population. Um, values are shifting. Um, among younger workers, they're more likely to be family-centered or what we call dual-centric. That is, that they put an equivalent priority between their work and their family life. I don't use the word balance because balance implies 50-50. And for anyone who's ever tried it, it doesn't work. But also balance implies that if you give to one, you take away from the other. And that is only true in terms of time. Time is finite. But if you look at energy and you look at mood, um, Work can enhance or detract from your mood. It's not just this seesaw kind of uh, a notion. Um, we look, we call it dual-centric because we talk about an equivalent priority. It's really how you prioritize. And every day we're making different priorities um, in the way that we live. And younger workers are much more likely to be dual-centric or family-centric than boomers are. Now, um, you might think that that's bad for business. How can you be successful and, and not be work-centric. I mean, companies might argue with that. We're going to hear from Ernst & Young, and, and Ernst & Young uh, con, uh, defied convention by having its people-first initiative, by putting employees before clients, and there's the assumption that that wouldn't be good for clients, uh, but it has been very good for clients, as I'm sure you'll hear about. Uh, being work-centric isn't necessarily so good for work. We found in a study that we did of the top leaders in uh, 10 multinational name brand companies that the people who were the most successful at work put an equivalent priority on their on something outside of work um, and work. Um, and uh, they were the most productive. They had risen higher. They um, supervised more people. They made higher compensation. Uh, we're now doing a study where we're looking at whether that emerges when you get to be the most senior leader or whether it happens in the pipeline. So we, didn't, we don't fully understand that. But uh, we found that, um, again, being dual-centric is good for business. On the other hand, this time famine does have repercussions for uh, employees. We found that... Um, that fewer people um, want to advance to the next level. Um, we've had the notion of a career ladder. You're going to hear very different notions of career, uh, flex careers, I think, is the wave of the future. But we found that the traditional notion of rung a rung and a rung, up and up and up, or if you if you opt out, you fall off the ladder, uh, is not really the way most people's careers are, particularly women in real life. And particularly um, all generations um, don't necessarily want to advance uh, to a job in the near future as they used to in the past. For example, among uh, younger workers, um, people under 23 years of age in 1992, 80% wanted jobs with more responsibility in the near future. That dropped to 60% uh, 
um, the last time we did the national study of the changing workforce. Now, didn't you, that's another one of those aha findings. I mean, uh, I had heard it because we manage groups of employers at the Families and Work Institute that people, you could always get someone to take a job, but would it be the right person? And um, we found that, uh, in fact, this was true, that fewer people want to advance. If you take gen, uh, people between 23 and 37-year-olds, it dropped from 69 to 54%. Among uh, people 38 to 57, it dropped from 41 to 31%. So there's been a drop across all of the generations, a 16% drop among men, among college-educated men, a 21% drop among uh, college-educated women. So today in the United States, we have um, some issues. 39% are not fully engaged in their work. 54% are less than fully satisfied with their jobs. 38% are going to make a concerted effort, probably not now while the economy is rocky, but they're thinking very seriously of looking for a new job in the coming year. 33% are exhibiting one or more signs of clinical depression. We use a standardized measure of that. And um, 46% of men and 41% of women are experiencing some or a lot of conflict between their work and their family life. Notice who's higher, the men there. Women's level has stayed the same. Men's level has dropped, has risen. And it's not just men who have uh, wives who are employed. There's no statistical difference, 53 to 54, 52% uh, of men um, with kids, uh, whether or not they have a spouse at home or not. So it's it's among all men. I think there's a different image that men have of being fathers these days. So employers are looking for new ways to make work work. That's the name of our project uh, because employers are looking for ways to make work work for both the employer and the employee. It really is a different uh, uh, a concept. Um, we've identified six criteria. In the first time I talked about research being an adventure story, we've identified in the first time we looked at it six criteria for an effective workplace. It's having autonomy in your job, learning opportunities. It's uh, having an environment where the your supervisor and your coworker help you succeed on the job. Um, involving employees in management decision making and creating flexible workplaces. All of those. Uh, six criteria are asking people to take more responsibility, um, to be more accountable for results, and they have more support in succeeding. That's the common factor, even flexibility, which may be one of the surprising uh, ones uh, there. We've gone on um, in the latest study that we've done, the next generation of leaders in a global economy, we've gone on to look at, um, at the whole issue of uh, what pipeline and senior leaders want most, what are their values in the workplace, and we found, um, and then we've matched those with the ingredients of an effective workplace, and we found that the uh, most important value for both men and for women is having a supportive workplace. The second most um, uh, important value is opportunities to learn and grow and be challenged. The third most important value, and this was a surprise to me, is having uh, a good fit between their life on and off the job. Uh, that's among senior and pipeline leaders. Uh, really almost no difference between women and men. Women are less likely to have their values realized on the job, uh, and that's where the, that's predictive of their being more likely to leave. Um, but anyway, any time we've ever looked at this in our own analyses, we've found that if you work in an effective workplace, you're more engaged, you're more satisfied with your job, you're in uh, more likely to stay, you're in better, better health. Um, so it really, you can see the payoff. For example, engagement. If you look at the six ingredients that I told you about in the beginning, 
uh, we found that only 3% in a workplace that is not effective, only 3% have a low level of engagement, and 82% are highly engaged in helping their employers succeed. So what is flexibility? We have 20 characteristics of flexibility this time. We've just released our latest study. All of these are free and on our web. Please go and get them uh, if you'd like them. Um, This is our 2008 national study of uh, employers. I've just finished a 22-city radio tour about this. There's a lot of interest in the new findings from this uh, study. And we look at both flex time and flex place. We look at uh, the amount of time that you work um, part year, full year. We look at career flexibility. Um, lots of different ways of looking flexibility. Uh, flexibility, it is really, as we find consistently in every study we've done, very valued by workers at all levels um, and, um, and a part in a, of an effective workplace. There are lots of data that show a return on investment. I'm not going to tell you the national data. I'm going to tell you the findings from um, our new report which is um, our bold new ideas for making work work. These are the winners of the Sloan Award and the people who Christine announced hopefully will be in this book next year. Uh, We have found the most amazing things um, in these reports from employers all over the country. It really is uh, astounding. We began in 2005 in eight communities. We moved to 16 communities in 2006, 24 communities in 2007, 30 communities in 2008. Next year we'll be in 36 communities, and we're going to be statewide in a number, probably four states around the country. So um, let me share some of those ideas, um, and um, we sent a copy of this book for all of you, and it really is in- incredible. We, we see this as becoming like the guide that people will go to um, and look for innovative ideas. Employers will go and look for it. We, this gets downloaded uh, um, close to a thousand times every day from our website, and we um, and it's a place where people looking for jobs will go. Um, it's it really is a compendium of, of really great ideas. I'm going to start with Sharon. Um, I'm going to start with Accenture. I'm not going to tell you what she's going to tell you about her her workplace, but uh, they're one of the winners. They have 1,400 employees in Dallas, and they're one of the winners of the award in this book. And it shows that, that their positive results on uh, on on uh, attracting and retaining employees, uh, 83% of employees at, at Accenture said that the ability to manage work and family life was critical uh, to their decision to remain with the company. And that led Sharon to do all sorts of creative things like future leave, which she will tell you about. Suspense. Um, so what is the business case? Uh, again, it's uh, increasing employee engagement and commitment. Uh, VCU Health System, another um, employer in this book, has uh, 7,634 employees in Richmond. We all know that the healthcare industry has shortages. Um, they have found that they've created a lot of different kinds of flexibility. They also have a weekend scholars program so that people can improve their education. Again, we look at all the, the ingredients of an effective workplace, and they found that it really yields benefits. Twenty, ninety uh, percent are positive about their work schedule. Seventy-nine percent experience high levels of support for their career development plans, and ninety percent are willing to uh, recommend VCU as a place to work. And those statistics um, are up. Um, Capital One is another example in this book. We looked at them in Richmond, and we looked at them in in um, in. Um, 
Washington, D.C., and they've seen their figures rise uh, by creating a program called the Future of Work. They have three different types of workers. You can work in the office in a traditional way. You can work um, in the office sometime and out of the office hoteling, or you can work um, at home or in Starbucks or anywhere uh, else that you want. And they've seen their numbers go from 57 percent uh, who were satisfied with their jobs up to 80 percent. Um, 74 percent say that this new uh initiative has increased their productivity. 63% uh, say that they're more creative at work. That's up from 39% just the year before. So pretty dramatic results just in a year. And of course, they've saved space costs. Um, also reducing, reducing turnover. 1-800-CONTACTS, um, another employer in this book, um, they've, they're 11 years old. They're in Salt Lake City. They've got 720 employees. Um, they've moved from $3 million in sales to $250 million in sales. Most of their sales are repeat customers. Um, and they're, they have um, many, many different forms of flexibility. Half of their people work at home through a very sophisticated um, uh, call system. And their turnover rate is one-third um, one is, is uh, one third of the national average, so it really has increased uh, retention in a, in a business that's very hard to create return over. Um, reducing absenteeism and sick days, Continental, another example in our book. They have 2,000 employees in Houston. Uh, Houston has an initiative called Flex in the City. It's an, an initiative to. Uh, you've heard about it? It's a good idea, huh? Uh, air, uh, big traffic congestion in Houston, um, not unlike here, um, not unlike New York. Um, our mayor in New York thought of, uh, con- uh, of uh, con- making a higher fee to come over the bridges and to go into certain parts of New York. It uh, didn't pass. I thought he should just try flex in the city, tell people to telework as they've done. In Houston, they found that it saved 15 minutes of commuting time uh, each direction. Uh, for those people who commuted and um, and really did affect um, the environment um, in in wonderful ways, Continental is one of the uh, players in Flex in the City in Houston. They have 25 programs providing flexibility, um, an expanded day off shift where 25 percent of their employees have three days off during the weekend. Um, and they've had a 5% annual attrition rate in an industry with a 50% norm, and um, they have 34% of people with perfect attendance. I'm always suspicious of that. I think people are going to work sick. Um, but more better is that they only have 2 to 3% uh, lost time per month. Um, I'm, I'm less suspicious of that. Um, what about customer satisfaction? Um, Arapaho Douglas Works in Aurora, Colorado. Um, they have 80 employees. Um, they give uh, money to each employee to improve his or her education, and uh, they've exceeded their uh, government agency and they've they've exceeded their uh, standards 100% on all counts in the ways that they're rated by uh, the government. Um, lots of again interesting kinds of flexibility. Um, what about um, reducing business costs. Um, Direct Energy in Dallas has 851 employees, and uh, they encourage uh, telework, and uh, they've avoided the costs of new office build-outs. What about profitability? Well, one of my favorite examples is El Paso Corporation um, in Houston. They have uh, 16 and 64 employees, and they have experiments in flexibility, but they tie metrics to it. So... uh, 
and I think this is really important. The group comes up with a notion of what kind of flexibility they're going to have and how they're going to measure its effectiveness, and they look at how it's actually working. Um, Better, uh, another thing that we, uh, 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 gain that we saw for employers in, in, uh, this book is, uh, better staffing coverage to meet peak demands, such as covering peak seasons and demands for employee travel, et cetera. You'll hear about those examples, I'm sure, from, uh, particularly from, um, the, the companies here. So when work works, um, has been very successful for us. It is a project uh, where we are translating research to action. We're taking our research on what is an effective workplace. We're giving an award for employers who are effective and flexible. And, um, and we're, we've created this guide. We're also, uh, each company that applies gets a benchmarking report so that it can compare itself against, uh, both national standards because the companies that, that are winners, uh, are in the top 80% based on national norms. And they can um, they can see how they're doing on on all of these areas against both the winners of the award and against national standards. Uh, we also found that there's a community business case, and why we're working in communities is because communities have reasons uh, to uh, get involved in creating more effective and flexible workplaces. Uh, to promote regional economic development, Dallas and Lexington, Kentucky are two examples of that, where there's a real interest in improving the economic development in their region. To recruit and retain a multi-generational workforce, that's true, uh, particularly of keeping younger professionals there. A lot of uh, communities are college places, and they found that they educated people and then they moved on. So Birmingham and Boise and Charleston and Milwaukee or to address worker shortages, for example, in Chicago or Rochester, Minnesota. To recruit and retain women in leadership positions, that was the goal for Providence for getting involved in when work work. To respond to a changing economy and changing economic conditions, Aurora, Colorado, which which has moved from a bedroom community to a boardroom community. Or we have uh, a number of communities in the Rust Belt, um, like Detroit, um, where they're trying to move into new technology and they need to create effective workplaces. Or to go green, uh, to reduce traffic congestion such as Seattle, Houston, and Long Island. So um, that's the initiative that we have in When Work Works. It helps raise awareness uh, to create change and to engage people in action in creative workplaces that work for the employees.